0: All right, and welcome back to another week of the of the Bama Factor here with Alex Taylor and Cody Saxon. I am your host, Alex Taylor, once again joined by my co-host, Cody Saxon. Cody, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. Glad to be back. Glad to
1: be uh, talking about, you know, some games from last week and talking about Alabama moving forward out coming off this bye week. So let's get into it.
0: For sure, super pumped about this episode. So, we're going to do a little quick recap since Alabama was off this past weekend of some key games from last weekend. Uh, had a lot of good football last Saturday. Uh, Florida, Georgia, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party taking place in Jackson, Florida, as it does every year. Georgia coming out on top 42 to 20, up 28 to 3 at one point, And that score is all too familiar with uh, sports teams from Georgia. Um, and uh, slowly started um, seeing that lead slip away. Um, as Florida cut it to 28-20, but then Georgia ended up pulling away with two late touchdowns, 42-20. Going to the um, going up north a little bit, uh, Ohio State, a little bit of a tough sledding uh, against Penn State in Happy Valley this weekend. Uh, Penn State at one point up, uh, Ohio State really kind of trailing the whole game pretty much. Uh, but the fourth quarter, a huge fourth quarter from C.J. Stroud, uh, they were able to pull out the win, 44-31. Coming back to the SEC, um, Tennessee getting a home win against Kentucky. Uh, pretty convincing win, 44-6, to as they now get prepared for their uh, matchup in Athens this weekend against Georgia. Then moving on into TCU, West Virginia. TCU at one point uh, up also, I believe, 28-0 to at one point. Uh, West Virginia really made this a game going into the fourth quarter. But 41-31, TCU gets the win. Oregon has a victory over Cal, forty-two twenty-four, as well. And really, my surprising one of the day: um, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming in ranked in the top ten. Kansas State coming in at twenty-two, and Kansas State just blanking Oklahoma State, forty-eight to zero. Just shows you how wild the season is. Um, kind of unfolded. Um, Kansas State really uh, having a good year, and uh, and honestly, the final game. Uh, of last week that was pretty big as well. Uh, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Uh, Ole Miss in a street fight at Texas A&M. 31-28. Uh, to 28. Ole Miss gets a win as they go into an off week as they prepare for Alabama next week. So, we're going to get in um, to our segment covering uh, strictly uh, Alabama and LSU this week. Obviously, Alabama travels to LSU Saturday. 6 uh, o'clock kick, ESPN We'll be broadcasting. I believe Chris Fowler, Kurt Hershey will have the call, um, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to get into some uh, stats of how they compare. Um, so we're going to start out with the quarterback battle. Obviously, uh, these two teams have uh, very good quarterbacks, um, very uh, good leaders for their team. And uh, we're going to get into some of their stats. So obviously, starting off with the Crimson Tide, uh, Bryce Young. Uh, Having a pretty good season so far, even though he's only um, played uh, about 128 less snaps than he had at this point last year, still very impressive stats to this uh, point in the year, 146 for 221, 1,906 yards, 18 touchdowns to three interceptions, and uh, just, I mean, the overall play of Bryce Young has been uh, absolutely fantastic this year, Um, even Despite him having an injury um you know obviously sitting out texas a and m obviously he didn't get to play uh from when he went out against arkansas as well so still having a good year as always then on the other side uh Jaden daniels they transfer from arizona state uh to lSU in the offseason uh having a good season as well one sixty five for two thirty six for one thousand eight hundred and twelve yards twelve touchdowns and one interception um as well. He's done a lot more with his feet, uh, which uh, Cody will tell you about in just a second uh, as well. Uh, Now moving to the tailbacks, um, Jameer Gibbs obviously starting to hit his stride at a good time. Um, Just two carries shy of 100 carries on the year, uh, 672 yards rushing and six touchdowns. He also does have over 300 receiving yards as well, and he's added three more touchdowns there as well. Josh Williams is the leading rusher for the LSU Tigers, 66 carries, 305 yards, four touchdowns. Obviously, LSU's kind of had uh, some trouble finding a stable tailback this year with uh, John Emery's injury. And uh, Josh Williams has really kind of had to step up and be that guy. But obviously, when Jaden runs the ball like he has been for over 500 yards, that um, kind of takes care of itself. Uh, as well. So now moving to the receivers, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks leading the way for the Crimson Tide with 21 receptions, 376 yards, four touchdowns. On the other side, um, I believe, um, Keyshawn Butte not really having the year that we thought. Um, struggled in a couple games this year. He's only got a little bit over 200 receiving yards. But Malik Neighbors. 36 receptions, 455 yards, only one touchdown this year. And uh, not a lot of uh, Tigers have more than one touchdown receiving this year, except for just a couple. Uh, So the receiving core, not really accustomed to what we've seen at LSU either. Now switching to the other side of the ball. um, Obviously, both of the – each of these teams come in. um, LSU off of a very good win against Ole Miss, the Tide off of a win against uh, Mississippi State. Uh, Two very, very key wins uh, over SEC West opponents. So comparing Will Anderson and uh, some of these other guys for LSU, Will Anderson, 36 tackles on the year, 16 solo, six sacks with one interception. That is the pick six he had earlier in the year. For LSU, B.J. Ojolari, 25 tackles on the year, 17 solo, um, and four sacks. So he is having a great year uh, as well. And then in the secondary, uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, 23 tackles, 20 solo, really getting it done when he's um, in space, 11 passes defended and one sack and Jay Ward, um, really kind of a senior guy for LSU who it seems like he's honestly been a part of LSU's team for man, five, six years now, uh, 33 tackles, 23 solo and three passes, defended as well. So, obviously, that's kind of how some of the key matchups and uh, some of the positions relate. So, I'm going to turn it over to my co-host, Cody Saxon, and he's going to give you some team comparisons for the Tide and the Tigers. Cody, it's all you. Yeah, buddy.
1: So, uh, offensively, uh, just to compare some broad numbers and then breaking it down a little more specific uh, next, I'm going to start with just the yards per game. So, Alabama's total offensive yards per game is 485 while LSU's is 450, so not a huge difference, uh, just 35 yards difference. And then uh, passing yards, uh, Alabama 274 to LSU 266. Once again, uh, Alabama with a narrow lead on passing yards. Now rushing yards, uh, 210 to LSU's 183 uh, points per game. I think this is where we start to see a little bit of a gap. Uh, 43 points per game, as opposed to LSU's 35. Still productive uh, for LSU, but that is a score and some change difference which might end up being uh, a key component coming into this next game as far as the the gap and uh, I know we're going to get into the score, score predictions towards the end so I'll save that for them but uh, defensively speaking Alabama's giving up uh, just under 300 yards a game while LSU's giving up about 350 and 50 yards is a big chunk of change when it comes to. Uh, a stretch of, you know, a a scoring drive or whatnot. So that is a big uh, a pretty big gap. I'd say passing yards per game given up uh, by Alabama is just 200 and LSU is just 204. So those are pretty much exactly the same, just a few yards difference there. Now here, to me, is the most impressive stat defensively by Alabama. Uh, Only giving up 93 yards rushing per game. So under 100 yards rushing per game given up. That's huge for our defense. Um, I know our secondary, when when it steps up, can match up with our line and our linebackers. So I know that if we can get both those on the same page going into this Saturday, we will definitely show up and show out. Now, points per game, given up only 16.6 by Alabama and LSU just 21.1. So those are good defensive numbers for both teams. Of course, like I said, Alabama coming out with a little narrow lead on that. Now getting into some more specific stuff, just some comparisons that I've really seen uh, statistically and personally, just kind of opinions and stuff. Um, Alabama's passing efficiency. They're just more productive, uh, more passing yards accomplished per pass. Um, That statistic is just goes to show Bryce Young's efficiency with this receiving core. He has Um, LSU. Not to say they don't have as much talent. They certainly do have plenty of talent. But when it comes to that efficiency, uh, Alabama definitely steps up. And I do credit mostly Bryce Young uh, for creating the opportunities. I know sometimes plays collapse, especially when offensive play calling is kind of questionable. So his ability to create that opportunity and get to those multiple targets is definitely impressive and will definitely play a key factor going in. Another thing for me, um, I've been thinking about this, you know, for the last couple weeks, uh, especially looking at these two teams compared to each other. And I I don't think the word versatility quite covers what I think Alabama has offensively when it comes to receivers um, and just our receiving abilities. Uh, I mean, the fact that Jameer Gibbs has more receiving yards than every single LSU receiver, except for neighbors, just goes to show you that like we have not only do we have weapons that receivers, uh, in our receiving core, but we have weapons, you know, in our, in our running back that are just as capable of making big plays with, when, when it comes to receptions, it's a big thing for me, uh, to have those multiple targets, uh, they have quality and quantity when it comes to their ability to get the ball, uh, through the air into the hands of a, a big playmaker. So that is something huge for Alabama going into this game. Um, and another thing, rushing. I mean, kind of converting over to rushing. You know how I am, Alex. I mean, you know, I'm. All, I've always been a rush, rush first kind of guy. I think always. Been, I think Alabama's rushing has been, you know, the pride of, of my fanhood when it comes to them. But our uh, McClellan is just our secondary running back, and he has more yards than LSU starting running back. And that's and he and McClellan's touches per game is nowhere near the amount. um and I think that is just a huge comparison to just bring out, like like I said, the efficiency on offense is where Alabama really thrives. Now, I will say uh, rushing for LSU, Jaden Daniel, their quarterback, had 500-plus rushing yards. For a quarterback, that is incredible. Um, we know Bryce Young is mobile, and we know he has the ability to use his feet but Jaden Daniels ability to be productive, uh, up the field with his feet is something definitely to recognize and respect. Um, and to, to definitely take an angle as far as our defense, being able to stop that, um, and prevent as much of that as possible. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, just some between Brooks, Burton Prentice Holden, and even Gibbs. like I said, Gibbs, I mean, Gibbs is our third leading receiver on our team and he's not even a receiver. Um, you know, comparatively speaking, they're all they're all above 250 yards. Uh, two they're all above 260 yards. Uh, I should say um, for the season. While um, their numbers are closer together than some of, like I said, some of LSU's receivers. Neighbors is definitely leading their receiving core. Other than that, there is a pretty big drop back between him and the second leading receiver um, on their team. So, having said all that. Um, that's offensively the main things. Now, really, the only thing I got to say defensively, comparing, is uh, statistically speaking, solely from numbers, Alabama. Even though I've I've been very critical of their secondary across all statistics, both tackles, passes defended, and all of that, and points given up per game, Alabama secondary is just statistically better than LSU's. There is no there's no argument to be made. Um, just purely statistics. It, it, it's they're just better uh, across, like I said, across the board, every statistic. So, those are things that stuck out to me uh, comparatively between the two teams. I know we're going to get into some specifics, some a little more specifics, and highlight some more stuff going in. So, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it back over to you to lead us into our next segment. Oh,
0: for sure, and we appreciate your team uh, comparisons, Cody. Very um, analytical from your side. Uh, a lot of good information uh, to take into consideration uh, about when you look at these two teams comparing on what will be on the field on Saturday. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into our second segment, and we're going to be talking about you know this team looks refocused. They're ready to go. They're um, rejuvenated through the off week. So you know you got Bryce Young really returning to a hundred percent read an article this week that um he's so so grateful for what the training staff uh helped him with in terms of his um recovery over the off week uh said he feels like himself again um and that you know his shoulder feels good again so you know that's always good um also during off week like i said you know on the on the show last week you know it was coming at the perfect time you know the defense they needed um not only a bounce back game, but they just need an off week in general to uh, get their heads right, uh, to get healed, uh, just to rest. I mean, you know, it's been a grueling schedule, you know, on the road at Texas, on the road at Arkansas, on the road at Tennessee, close game against Texas A&M. You have to play Mississippi State. I mean, so, you know, the Tide hasn't actually, you know, had an easy schedule. In fact, they have one of the tougher schedules, not just in the conference, but in the country. And um, the other key thing, getting everybody healed, uh, you know, that was hurt. uh except for just a few guys. But, you know, other than that, Saban has commented on some of the injuries that we had uh, prior to last game, and those guys have been practicing at full speed. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, two guys uh, in particular that uh, could see a huge role uh, going forward. And just – but uh, to really kind of close this segment and everything, uh, Cody, I just want to get your opinion. What do you think the impact of having an off week prior to a game like LSU – really does for the team in general, not just from a team standpoint, but also from just a player standpoint. Yeah, man, I
1: think as, as a whole, I know people talk about bye weeks and a lot of times people get excited about, oh, we've got an extra week to prepare for this team. While that is a huge benefit of having a bye week, I think the rest, like you touched on, the rest and recovery aspect of it um, is everything. Uh I've, you know, kind of comparing it to something that I'm a little more involved in personally, you know, like powerlifting, like like that deload you do the week before a competition where you do get to kind of dial back and really hone in on technique and a little less on the uh, extreme pushing yourself 100, 110 you know, percent, just putting your body through absolute, you know, brutality. I think being able to step back and look at all the fi- fine tune, all the details over a, over a span of time, I think that's huge. I think that's what a bye week provides. Uh, as far as rest um, at this point in the season, I think it couldn't have come at a better time. I know Tennessee hit us pretty good. I think we bounced back really well from that um, coming back at Mississippi state. So, um, you know, taking that off week after, you know, ending on a positive note, taking that off week. And then, you know, we've got LSU, which is, you know, definitely no, nothing to shrug our shoulders at. It's a, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, And then of course, followed immediately by Ole Miss. And then we do have, Uh, one of our filler games, one of our – what some people would call cupcake games, although Nick Saban would hate to hear me say it um, against Austin P. And then, of course, uh, one of the biggest games of the year every year, Auburn. So I think the the bye week couldn't have come at a better time to prepare us for this last stretch of the season that three out of the four remaining games are nothing to laugh about. They are definitely going to be tough. But with this amount of preparation and rest through this bye week, I think Alabama can come out swinging hard at LSU – and use that momentum to carry him through the rest of the season and continue to execute at a high level.
0: Oh, for sure. And then one thing I was really excited to hear when uh, Bryce Young spoke to the media on Monday, uh, he he really spoke about how the team, you know, when they got back from their break, you know, he really kind of talked about, you know, this team is locked in now. You know, he said we're more locked in than we have been all season. And he says, you know, we know what time of year it is and we know what we've got to do. So that excites me. Uh, From the team standpoint, it seems like they're getting their mind right, and that's what we need for this. So now we're going to jump right into our third segment. This is the one I'm excited about. I love talking about this, uh, but a little bit of Alabama and LSU history. So just a couple quick stats, at you, and then we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the Alabama-LSU history in these recent years. So Alabama coming into this Saturday has won 12 out of the last 15 meetings um, of the two teams. Um, Alabama did win eight in a row, from the 2011 title game all the way to 2018. Um, and uh, Alabama has won the last two, uh, 55 to 17 in 2020. Obviously, that was the uh, COVID year. Uh, and obviously, Alabama won a title that year, but went to Baton Rouge and uh, won 55 to 17. Stellar performance from, uh, I, I believe, Mac Jones that day, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith. Um, just a great performance all around. And uh, obviously, last year, uh, Cody and I had the privilege of actually going to the game last year, a little bit closer for comfort than we would have liked last year. Uh, 20 to 14, the offense really couldn't seem to get going. Uh, Jameson Williams had a long uh, touchdown catch. John, uh, I believe John Mechie had uh, one right before the half um, as well. And uh, but I mean, again, uh, last year they uh, they gave us all we could really handle. Um, but uh, you know, Al- um, obviously Alabama came out on top and Saban is also six and one in Baton Rouge alone uh his only loss is 2010 uh it seems like when he goes there it just seems like he has a um almost uh just a contagious effort for winning there um and uh also in that the Tide have shut out the Tigers three times under Saban obviously the one um 2011 uh, championship game. They shut them out 21 to zero 2016. It was 10 to zero and 2018. It was 29 to zero. And those last two times were in Baton Rouge as well. So uh, definitely um, the tide definitely have a, um, an edge going into this as well. And then one other stat I want to throw out right before we get into the moments Uh, from 1965 to 1998, the tide went 16-1 and 1 when they went to Baton Rouge, and the one loss they had was in 1968, because I believe for two years in the 60s they had to play the game elsewhere because I believe LSU Stadium had something wrong with it or they weren't playing games on campus. I forget where they were playing them, but from 1969 all the way almost 30 years later the tide did not lose a game there and that's that's incredible in in itself um i mean like just to go that long without losing a game in that stadium so very 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 good so kind of compiled some great moments and uh i mean obviously you got to think about the 2011 title i mean cody we remember that like it was yesterday i mean You know, they play LSU earlier in the season, slugfest. I mean, LSU wins on a last-second field goal in overtime. Um, I was at that game personally, and, you know, I said after the game that we're going to play this team again. Sure enough, we got a shot again where it counted, Uh, and uh, 21-0. to And obviously the best uh, performance by – defense that I've ever seen. 92 total yards given up by the Crimson Tide that night. LSU crossed the 50-yard line once and then were pushed across it again when I believe Dante Hightower forced a fumble from Jordan Jefferson and uh, they hopped on it over the 50 and then of course two plays later Trent Richardson finally scored a touchdown uh, in that game uh, to put the Tide up 21-0. So obviously that's that's a great moment to start off with, there. Yeah, man. That without a doubt, dude.
1: And you know, you know how I feel about oh, Trent Richardson. My favorite, probably my favorite Alabama player of all time. Person. Yeah, man. That was just a crazy, crazy game, crazy season, dude. Like, and it, I, I feel like for me, and at least in my lifetime, I didn't realize the the rivalry, or at least the capacity for a rivalry that LSU and Alabama had. I know the SEC being one of the most competitive conferences in all of football, in all of sports um, across the board, I think that uh, that season really just shined a light on what that could be between the two. And I feel like since then it has been, although we did talk about the comparisons, Alabama uh, 12 out of the last 15 meetings. But, man, that one game to me does stick out. 21 nothing against anybody, but especially a team that beat you earlier in that season. That is a great moment in Alabama history, for
0: sure. Always, and then that's one of my favorites as, as well. And then fast forwarding to the next year, um, really a huge game and the implications of not only getting to the SEC title, but obviously getting back to the, um, obviously getting back to the national championship again. Uh, the Tide traveled down to Louisiana and found themselves trailing in the fourth quarter, seventeen um, to fourteen. And I remember we got the ball back with about a minute and 51 seconds to go. We didn't have any timeouts. Uh, And Kevin Norwood, Kevin Norwood, one of my most underrated receivers under Saban, always seemed to be in the right place at the right time, had glue for hands, um, caught four passes on that drive from AJ. We started at the 25. The first pass gets up past the 45. The second pass gets us to the other 45. The third pass gets us down to the 30. So – Three passes were right there, and then he catches like a two- or three-yard screen pass and gets out of bounds. And we have 51 seconds to go, and A.J. drops back, and just a beautiful play call, too. And then a true freshman, T.J. Yeldon, catches a screen pass out of the backfield, makes two guys fall with a incredible little shifty juke move and waltzes his way into the end zone with about 42 seconds left. And then, of course, LSU would get the ball back, on the ensuing drive, and the tide would rise up and uh, sack Zach Mettenberger two times to end the game with LSU uh, using their last timeout on the first sack, and the clock would strike zero. Alabama would win 21-17. to But just – it looks so – like it was over so many times in that game. Alabama fumbled in the red zone – or, uh, I'm sorry, in their own territory to give LSU uh, a chance to score a touchdown – uh, the tide rose up, forced a field go out of them with a minute 51 to go. You know, we give up a long touchdown and they go up and we have to go 75 yards with no timeouts in a minute and 51. And we end up scoring. So that in itself is just why you work on that at the end of practice every day. That's why Saban harks on it. He says we work on the two-minute drill every day for situations like this. And that night, um, it panned out pretty well. Yeah, dude, without a doubt, man. Uh
1: I think that – and like I said, going, kind of the same thing I said on the last thing, man. It's just a, a overall hanging in there, the toughness, the resilience. Alabama doesn't make – or has – I say doesn't. Hasn't made an incredible number of mistakes over, over Saban's tenure. But when they do, their ability to fight and stay in it, that's the difference between a winner and a loser. And that's why Alabama – it's so successful. Is that
0: resilience, and that and that's a perfect example of that. Of course, and then uh, they had a similar drive in 2014 as well. Blake Sims leading it down there, and um, obviously tying the game as well. And then going into overtime, he hits DeAndre White uh, for a touchdown. Then the Tide end up stopping them as well. But moving on to one of my favorite ones of the Saban era, 2015 LSU rolls into Tuscaloosa, eight zero. The Tide's 7-1. The Tide had lost to Ole Miss the third game of the season. I had the privilege of going to that game. We lost 43-37. to 37. Uh, Everybody said we were through. Everybody said the window was closing. Everybody said that we were washed. Um, but, you know, we rattle off wins against Georgia and Arkansas um, and Tennessee um, and lose in a Monroe. And, you know, we, we roll into this game off of the off week against LSU. LSU comes in at number two. We come in at number four. Leonard Fournette was leading the country in rushing yards. Derrick Henry was a little bit uh, behind him. Um, Fournette was averaging about 152.7 yards a game coming in, just running all over everyone that year. Looked like the Heisman front runner that game for sure. And that night, I have never seen uh, just a team in general play how Alabama played that night. But the the front – The linebackers, the secondary, everybody was keyed in on number seven wearing white that night. And to be in the stadium for that, first of all, it was loud as everything. It's one of the loudest environments I've ever actually got to go to in Tuscaloosa. Um, Before that, 19 carries, 31 yards, and he had one late touchdown when it really didn't matter. But he didn't get the 31 yards before he broke off a run of 20 yards. He literally had 18 carries for 11 yards at one point. A guy who was averaging 150, he had nowhere to go all night. And then Henry, on the other hand, had 38 carries for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. So he kind of took the Heisman front runner from Fournette. He put himself in that place. And obviously, as we know, Henry went on to win the Heisman. And it just seems like after that, it seems like really from 2014, 15, and 16, Fournette never got over 100 yards rushing against Alabama. And he still says to this day, even though he's been in the NFL for all these years as well, he says to this day, he says the toughest defense he's ever played is Alabama. He said you could not find a hole no matter how hard you tried. And But I think that one right there just showed their commitment their determination to stopping Fournette that night. And sure enough, they did. I mean, Henry had more carries than he had yards, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, dude, that, that, that in itself
1: is a, is an incredible statistic to come by. I
0: mean, j- just, and again, one of the greatest atmospheres I've got to be a part of. We made it hard to hear for them that night. Uh, and The offense did very well that night as well. Henry ran wild. Uh, and to also end the game, someone that, kind of goes overlooked to end the game. Bama got the ball back up 30 to 17 and uh, I'm sorry, 35 to 17. And um, there were seven minutes and 23 seconds to go when they got the ball back. Derek Henry ran every play and ran out the clock for seven minutes and 23 seconds. That right there just shows you the workhorse he was. And he got like six first downs on that drive. And it was absolutely incredible that we ran out the clock with just running the football for seven minutes and 23 seconds. So, obviously, just a a, a, a great performance all around. That obviously propelled the tie up to the number two spot in the rankings. And, obviously, they, they finished the season winning a title over Clemson. Um, so, again, great moment in the series as well. And the last one we're going to talk about is one of the more recent ones uh, the 2020 revenge, and I say that revenge because 2019, uh, 19, the year before, LSU had a pretty generational offense. Um, Joe Burrow, Clyde edwards helaire uh, Jim Moore Chase, Terrison Marshall, Thaddeus Moss, Justin Jefferson. I mean, you had a really good offense. I mean, like you did. And in that game, you know, Tua was about 85%, but Alabama had some high-profile guys as well. Jalen Waddell, uh, Jared Judy, Henry Ruggs, Javante Smith, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. Um you had a lot of good guys um, going up in that game. It was in Tuscaloosa. I remember that game. Uh, but, you know, fought hard, kind of got down early. It was 33-13 at halftime. Really battled back, uh, you know, really made it a game. Uh, but, you know, 46-41, LSU finally snaps the eight-game losing streak to Alabama. And they kind of had some confidence going into the year after that. You know, they went 15-0. and You know, they would won their first title since 2007. And they had some confidence, like Nick Saban said. And I'll never forget his interview right – before we played LSU in 2020, he said they have some confidence because they got us last year. And he said, they have some confidence that they can beat Alabama and they think they can beat Alabama. So we're going to have to change how they think. And I just think that's the most savage comment Saban's ever said. And sure enough, they go in to Louisiana in 2020, 55 to 17 later. And Devonte Smith, now a member of your Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Cody Saxon, I might add, um, had one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen in football when Mac Jones dropped back and he goes up one-handed. And everyone said that was his Heisman moment. Like they say every Heisman winner has like a moment set in there. And that was his Heisman moment. I mean, one-handed in the back of the end zone. That was his third touchdown of the half already. He had three touchdowns in the first half and over 200 yards receiving already in the first half. That's just how good our offense was then. So I think 2020 definitely goes high up on the list. And, you know, they got their revenge for sure. I mean, 55 to 17. It was 45 to 10 at halftime. So that just tells you how lopsided this game was. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. I mean, getting uh,
1: Alabama, t- first of all, 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide, I'm going to say it single greatest college football team of all time. Agreed. I- I don't think I mean there's some legendary teams out there. We can talk about Miami in the 80s and 90s. You can talk about you can talk any that to me as a Bama fan and as just as a trying to be as objective a, a fan of the game as I can be, just incredible. And that game was I mean when they routed them in the first half, right? It was like 45 to 14 in the first half of that game, and then they only gave up three points the entire second half. 55-17, to 17, just absolutely nuts. And something to to me, the, the, you talk about a savage moment, man. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it earlier when I was looking over some stuff. Man, the, the cover photo for the video of highlights from that game is literally uh, Devontae Smith with his hand. It, he's reaching out, giving a stiff arm. To I think Stingley is his name, uh, number 24 on LSU's defense. That oh, yeah. But it lo- the way it is. It literally looks like he's hushing him. Like he's got his hand against his face mask. Like he's telling him to be quiet. And to me, that's just about the most the coolest capture of a photo I've ever seen. Man, it was just funny. But yeah, man, absolutely, just an absolutely dominant game coming back off of. Uh, like you said, it generates like a once in a lifetime team that LSU had the year before. Um, coming back and having the greatest, arguably the greatest football team of all time in that 2020 Alabama team absolutely dominant and just a, that that is probably my favorite uh one of my favorite alabama or lsu games to watch just because of the sheer
0: beat down it was yeah and i watched those highlights earlier today as well and just the offense we had i mean mac jones just so i mean mac jones started that game off 16 of 16 i mean just 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 i mean 100 percent. i mean just accurate throwing to everybody john mechie smith i mean slay bolden i mean just just everybody And i mean haji harris was carving them up i mean he was so, so many running lanes. I mean, we even had our third and fourth string guys running the football against them that year. Um, but, I mean, again, just to go in there and really play like that, uh, I mean, that was definitely very satisfying to watch um, as well. And, I mean, yeah, in total agreement, you know, not to get off topic, but, you know, yeah, that 2020 team was special. I mean, won 11 SEC games, went 11-0 in the SEC, and, you know, beat two very prestigious universities in the playoff each by over three touchdowns a piece. And I mean, like, so, I mean, the lowest amount of points Alabama scored all year was against Notre Dame in the playoff and they scored 31. But other than that, it was in the forties. It was in the fifties. It was in the sixties. I mean, just a generational offense and, and just, I mean, you can't argue with that team. I mean, it, it is the greatest team of, of, of all time. And just, and see, the other reason I say it is just because of the circumstances they had to go through. I mean, COVID, getting tested every day, not being sure if they're going to be able to play. Saban was out of the Iron ball, so you play a game without your coach. And, and your biggest rivalry game of the year, uh, but and just the uncertainty of the year, the adversity. And, and you know, the season almost it didn't happen. So, uh, but just to just to be the constant, as Chris Fowler said when the Tide won the title that year, he says, in a season of adversity and uncertainty, the Crimson Tide are the constant. Constant excellence, constant success. And, you know, it takes a man like Nick Saban to really orchestrate something like that. So, yeah, definitely um, I will always cherish that uh, 2020 thing for sure. So now we're going to end that segment and we're going to touch on recruiting a little bit. Uh, Really the only thing I have is, Big news today uh, for Tide fans who haven't heard, uh, 2024 class, um, five-star quarterback Julian six foot one, 185, out of California. He is the number two dual-threat quarterback in the class, the number one player in the state of California, has committed to the Alabama Crimson Tide for 2024, and I'd like to put out a little reminder that he committed to Alabama over LSU today. So Alabama's already got one win over the Tigers this week. Uh, So definitely a huge pickup. They have a five-star quarterback for next year's class already, and that vaults their class to number five already. So obviously a big pickup for the tie today. He was very coveted uh, coming out of high school. He's still got one more year left, but we'll be glad to have him. And before we go into our LSU preview, I would just like to say something about our QB room after Bryce leaves next year. You have Jalen Milrow, who we know is – Capable and with more reps, I believe we'll get he will improve. You have Ty Simpson, who is a five star out of Tennessee, who's a true freshman this year. He won history Football in the state of Tennessee his last two years, won two state titles. All right, he not only passed for over 3,500 yards a senior season, but he ran for over 1,800. So that's incredible in itself. Then coming in, you have Eli Holstein this year, who is a top rated quarterback. You have also Dylan Longeren as well, coming in. Uh, He's also the number nine quarterback. I believe Holstein is the number five. And now you have uh, Julian Sayan coming in, who is the number two quarterback. So, Cody, safe to say, even after Bryce leaves, Alabama's QB room is in good hands the next couple years.
1: Yeah, I think that's something, not just now, but for the last several years, that's been kind of the case as far as one great in, great out, or one great out, another great in. I think it's just like, the amount of potential and uh, promise that it, we're going to have moving forward. Uh, obviously, growth for Jalen Milrow, like you said, more reps is going to get him more disciplined, a little more effective and efficient when it comes to the passing game. Definitely, we've seen what legs capable of. But, yeah, just overall, moving forward for the next several years, I think we're uh, in pretty good hands moving forward to to maintain the dynasty and to carry over the the legacy of all the great quarterbacks we've had over the, you know,
0: the last several decade the last two decades really yeah and the fact that Alabama you know five years ago they didn't have one starting quarterback in the NFL now they are about to have four obviously with Tua Tungvaloa um, obviously Mac Jones and obviously your boy Jalen Hurts so um, and uh, I don't care what Oklahoma says uh, we we created that man you just utilized him yeah so um, but uh, yeah so obviously a big weekend in recruiting uh Keon Keeley is still out there for the tight as well cry Francois is still out there. James Smith is still out there. A lot of other big potential targets for Alabama to uh, go up and get as well. And uh, we will be keeping you updated with all those on the page uh, when they come available as well. So now jumping into our final statement, the preview of the LSU game, uh, what this podcast is all about. Um, it's been a great podcast so far, a lot of good information. But now we're actually going to jump into the preview of the game. Uh, so the first thing I really want to talk about is Bryce Young and the offense against you know LSU's Defense. I mean, LSU's defense obviously had a good game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is one loss on the year. Um, You know, Ole Miss is running the ball very well, but you know, LSU really kind of forced them to throw the ball. And it seems like Ole Miss has not been throwing the ball that well this year. So, LSU obviously is strong up front um, for sure. Uh, They have, I know they have two very, very, very capable outside linebackers um, who are very fast, uh, have a lot of good technique uh, that they use. But I think Bryce Young's just the ability to extend plays with his feet and not necessarily running, but just getting outside the pocket. I don't want to use the word running around, but I'm going to. But, like, kind of running around and just letting guys get open. I mean, creating something out of nothing is what it looks like. And he still just amazes me. I mean, Cody, drawing back to the previous game, the first touchdown he threw. I mean, he was sitting in the pocket for what seems like forever, but – He sat there for about five seconds, took off, went one way, reversed his field, shifted all of his weight back the other way, told his receiver where to go, and then fired an absolute laser 30 yards downfield at the end zone. I mean, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, man, you definitely
0: got to be quick
1: thinking and and composed the whole time. There ain't, there's not room for error when you're, when you're putting yourself in that position. Um, but yeah, dude, I think that, uh, I don't I think it's. Not, I, don't, I think that conquering this, uh, like you said, they're they're strong up front, and I did talk about some of the weaknesses in their secondary. I think that, uh, to me personally, I think play action is the name of the game. I'm just going to say it. I think that's going to be where we get our advantage. Kind of, kind of pulling one over on their on their defensive line and their linebacker core. I think creating that amount of space and that a little bit of hesitation is going to be what it's going to take to penetrate that. I Hope to see that from Bryce Young and from our uh, offense.
0: For sure. And then, you know, I think really the second thing is, you know, switching the other side of the ball, stopping Jaden Daniels, not really his arm, but, you know, forcing him to beat us with his arm because, you know, he can take off. His first inclination, even when he was at Arizona State, is to run. Uh, He's a very gifted runner. Uh, He plays like a running back, honestly. So, I mean, I think the first thing really is, is, you know, you got to spy him, you got to force him, you know, you've got to make him throw for over 300 yards, uh, you know, against us and, and, you know, really beat us with his arm. Because if we take away his ability to run, I think we're going to see a lot of success, but, you know, if we give him time back there and we leak everybody out and he sees green grass, he's, he's going to take off. So we got to keep somebody there. We've got to keep him in check. Uh, I think that's going to be huge, um, uh, for this game, uh as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think playing, you know, keep keeping a man at least con- containing him or at least spying on him, um, definitely going to be crucial. At the same time, though, you can't take away too much from uh, from what we're going to need to cover. That seemed to be our weak spot, the middle of the field, uh, like that mid 15 to – or I say 15, 5 to 25-yard range right in the middle of the field. It just seems like that was our weak – has been kind of our weak spot when it comes to defending the pass, so – I think as long as we're able to cover both his run and that, uh, spreading our secondary evenly as well as our linebacker core, making sure we stay tight on our men, covering our zones, all that. Yeah, definitely if we can contain him, force him to beat us with our arm, I definitely think assuming the play calling is matching our ability to play, I think we can stop him.
0: For sure. And now kind of going on to the third thing, this is what I'm looking forward to. Eli Ricks returns to LSU, and first of all, off of a huge game, um, this uh, two weeks ago. But you know, he returns to LSU. I mean, you know, he's returning to the team he once called home for two years. Uh, you know, Keyshawn uh, Put, I believe Keyshawn Pute was his um, roommate freshman year, and you know, obviously Keyshawn is a, a is a um, is a wide receiver. Ricks. Cornerback, so they did go up against each other uh in practice every day so he's very familiar with guys on this team. he's very familiar with the young guys on this team too uh so but eli Ricks, you know coming back to lsu um you know there's going to be hate because you know he's on alabama now um everybody thinks he's sold out everybody thinks that uh you know he he's the he's the judas of the group now so you know everybody's in that stadium is going to be viewing him and you know um but I think Eli Ricks is handling it very well. He spoke to um, he spoke to some of the reporters on Monday, and he said he's looking forward to it. He's had this game circled all year, and I just think the strict motivation to go in there, and it's not just one thing, just to go back. I mean, like it's one thing to go back and you know want to not just win the game, but win it convincingly against your old team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, if if what we've seen is any kind of precursor to what we're gonna see having that extra little chip on your shoulder, that extra little motivation knowing that this used to be home and that there is a certain level of of respect yet uh, hate at the same time. Uh, Not like we said, not that negative hate, but that competitive on the field kind of hate. I think that's going to push him to really show out. And I'm interested to see uh, not only him going up against a former teammate that I'm sure he's familiar with in practice, but neighbors being an absolute dog on the field, you know, what four hundred and fifty plus yards receiving this year. Uh not not as productive when it comes to scoring, but uh those yards, man, just see him match up against him. I'm assuming we'll see that match up at least a few times. Um, I'm interested to see how we go how he does
0: and if he really does show up with that next level. For sure. And you know, I would love nothing more than to see Eli Ricks pick one off and take it to the house. I mean, wouldn't that be a homecoming, happy homecoming for that dude? Absolutely. Um, and get to stand on the letters LSU. As yeah, you- I mean, <laughs> just plant the football right on the tiger logo. I mean, do the do the George Teague <laughs> or the Randy Moss when he scored on the Dallas Cowboys star and he ran uh-huh. all the way to the fifty yard line. And I know that's music to your ears because you're a Philadelphia yeah. Eagles fan. Yeah, um, but. uh Obviously, this is also a night game in Baton Rouge, but this is just music to, to, you know, the Crimson Tide's ears. I mean, because it seems like whenever they play at night, you know, they always talk about night game in Baton Rouge, hard place to play. But former players under Saban have said, it's just like playing in Tuscaloosa on a Saturday night. Um, and so I definitely think going into this, yeah, it's going to be loud. SEC West implications for this. There's going to be a lot of hype around this. You know, it's a top ten matchup with the CFP rankings coming out last night. Uh, so just, it's going to be wild, but there's, I don't think there's anything better than the tide going in there and sucking the life out of that stadium to, sh- to start the game. I, mean, I would love nothing more than a one, a one play drive touchdown just to suck the energy out of that stadium immediately. Because, you know, they always say, you know, there's so much adrenaline before a game, especially games like this that have implications going to the SEC title. Um, and, you know, it's a night game in Baton Rouge. Um, it's going to be loud. It's going to be packed. Um, these are rivals. You know, Saban used to coach there, and now he coaches at Alabama. So they say the adrenaline and the hype last until somebody gets hit. Yeah. And then, I mean, pretty much just, I mean, once people get hit, it's, it's, it's. That's when it's game on, uh, right. and everything. And the last thing I want to say before we get into our score predictions is that um, the two guys I was talking about that should see an increased role, been hearing rumors out of Tuscaloosa this week. Um, Tyler Harrell and Aaron Anderson are probably going to finally be um, utilizing the offense this week. I definitely hope so. I've seen practice footage of them. Uh, Maybe not so much on the Aaron Anderson side. I think you could see him. But Tyler Harrell, I think for sure, he got in at the end of last game, had one catch for 12 yards. The crowd went nuts when he caught a ball. So Saban's been talking about, even Kurt Hershey talked about on game day last week, you know, he said, you know, look for Tyler Harold. This guy's about to open up. This guy's about to be Alabama's home run hitter. You know, Alabama's about to get a secret weapon that they have needed this year at the perfect time. So I'm excited to see Tyler Harrell this week. I'm excited to see Give. I'm excited to see a revamped offensive line, a revamped secondary, a revamped team in general um, just turn up this weekend. And that's going to lead us into our score predictions. So, Mr. Saxon, I'm going to let you go first on your score prediction. Alabama, LSU, in Baton Rouge, 6 o'clock. Chris Fowler, Kurt Hershey on the call. SEC West implications on the line for this game. What's your score prediction for Saturday night?
1: So, yeah, uh, I think that – like I said, the key to our success on offense is going to be a little play action, maybe a little read option. I, I'm I'm interested to see if we can throw off their defense a little bit uh, with some what what was it, old uh, burn Lund trickeration. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping there we to, go. I'm hoping to see some of that. I'm hoping to see some creativity on the play calling on offense. Uh, that would be a nice refreshing change to our offensive uh, calling uh, play calling. So. Having said all that, um, I think Alabama puts up a fair number of points. Like I said, uh, LSU secondary is not insane when it comes to uh, their ability to stop. Like I said, Alabama secondary pretty much sweeps the board statistically. So I think Alabama does put up a fair number of points. I think the majority of our points comes from passing. Um, I hope to see that. I'm going to say Alabama gets 35. I really do see that. Um, I, I don't think that we are going to be able to completely stop LSU's offense. I think that this year, um, just from what we've seen, I don't think that's a possibility to completely stop. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it, but I don't think it's. You know, we're not going to stop them. I'd say we give up a few, uh, few, uh, probably a couple first half touchdowns, maybe a late, uh, a late second half touchdown. But I think they get seventeen to twenty one. We'll just say we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll say twenty one. So I'll say thirty five to twenty one is going to be my score prediction. Alabama, um, majority of their points are going to come. Second, third quarter, um, and I think the most LSU points probably – if they if they get them early, uh, I think Alabama will do what they do uh, best and come out second half controlled and uh, disciplined enough to lock in and dial in those third quarter scores and those third quarter stops that they'll need on defense. So, having said that, 35-21 is going to be my score prediction. Let's hope this week that I'm right for once. I either overshoot
0: or undershoot by a long shot. I need it this week, man. There we go. Uh, Great score prediction. So uh, I guess moving on to mine, um, you know, the Tide and LSU, you know, each coming off of an off week, uh, you know, very important this time of year, you know, getting some key players healthy, getting rest, getting rejuvenated, uh, getting refocused. Um, But I just think the disappointing nature of the loss at Tennessee, these Tide players don't want to feel that again. This loss at Tennessee has and what Steve Spurrier said earlier today has awoken a sleeping giant. And for the people counting us out, for the fact that people are saying, well, we're ranked number six in the CFP rankings. I love the fact that we're ranked number six right now. We're on the outside looking in Georgia, Tennessee got to play each other. So somebody's dropping this week, <laughs> Ohio state. And, and um, obviously Michigan have to play. Somebody's dropping then. So, you know, if Clemson loses one game, hot take right here, Clemson loses one game this season, regular season, they don't make the playoff. Their strength of schedule is terrible. So they lose, they drop. But here's the thing. We're on the outside looking in. I mean, it's simple. Like we've said, since the loss of Tennessee, went out, we're in. That's, I mean, that's that, That's all there is to it. It's the same thing with Texas A&M last year. Went out, we're in. So saying all that, with what Bryce Young said, with what Henry Toa Toa has said this week, and looking at the history, and history tends to repeat itself sometimes. Alabama 2016 goes into LSU, shuts out LSU. Two years later, 2018 goes into LSU, shuts out LSU. 2014, they did give up 10 points, but only 10 points. So there's something about Baton Rouge All right, sorry about that, but we are back. Um, Had a little bit of uh, trouble here, but we are back on. Uh, So, as I was saying, uh, picking up where I left off, there seems to be something about Alabama. They don't – LSU just just does not score points against Alabama in Baton Rouge. And from where I'm thinking this team is, you know, mindset-wise and with the off week, a healthy Bryce Young, healthy defensive front again. I'm going to go out on a limb. Alabama scores 42. LSU scores 10. I would give LSU 10. And, he, and I'm hoping I'm right on this. I have my hot take this week. I'm being generous when I give them 10. Because I think we're good enough to shut out LSU this weekend.
1: I'm, I, I'm here for it. I want to see it happen. Personally, I think for me, just from what I've seen this season, and what I've seen from uh, LSU's quarterback. I, I don't know, but I'd love to see it. So, I hope – I honestly hope your your predictions more accurate than mine, but I'm not going to I'll take surprised. either one, though. Yeah, I have to say, a dub's a dub. I'll take either one. But, yeah, if we get up to 42 and able to hold them to 10 or under, I'm here for it.
0: So, I mean, definitely I think secondary plays well. Uh, and I think this is where you say to your players, statement, game, Right here, right now. I mean, you, you've got to have a statement game to show the world that we're still Alabama. I mean, everybody, like I think everybody, generally knows that, but 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 we got to show the world that we still are. And you know, going into Ole Miss, I think getting a shutout will be, um, or at least close to a shutout, will be good. But as for right now, I'm going to go 42 to 10. But I'm, but it would not surprise me if we shut these guys out. And I may be proven wrong, but. Um, that's the hot take for the week. That's why we call them hot takes. But I think we're definitely good enough. We're talented enough. We're definitely motivated enough. We're locked in enough to shut out LSU at home this weekend. We've done it three times under Saban and twice in Baton Rouge, so it can be done. So, um, but anyway, we're going to get to some final thoughts here. Um, Cody, any final thoughts before we wrap up here?
1: Uh, kind of touching on what I said earlier, I think the name of the game on offense is uh, – Play actions, run options, different things like that to throw a little bit of a curveball. I think that's going to be offensively. If we can get that creativity on offense, I think that's really going to put a gap between us and them. Um, Defensively, like I said, secondary needs to hold strong. Um, You know, make sure we're staying tight on all of that. Uh, Really, overall, just play aggressive, play consistent throughout all four quarters, Um, come out strong, swinging in the third the Alabama style that we're used to. And I think it's a victory. I'm not going to say it's an easy one, but I do think it's one that can be secured um, very much within the the realms of capability of all of our players. So I hope to see that. Um, But yeah, uh, final, final words for me, a roll tide as always. And uh, hopefully the Crimson tide will roll right into death Valley and beat the LSU
0: Tigers. Uh, For sure. And obviously we have a big football Saturday ahead of us. Uh, Georgia, Tennessee at 2.30, big SEC East implications. Then you have Alabama LSU right after, big SEC West implications. So, honestly, those four teams could be any of the four playing each other in Atlanta here in just uh, in just about a month. Uh, so, you know, obviously huge implications on each side of that. But the final thoughts for me, um, just, you know, Alabama wins this one. We're one win away from clinching the SEC West uh, going to Ole Miss. So, I don't think you have that in your mind at this point. You focus on LSU this week. You don't worry about Ole Miss. You don't worry. I mean, if you lose this game, then you're done. I mean, so it doesn't matter. Um, So you've got to focus on what you need to focus on this week. You've got to control what you, you can control. And like Saban said on the teleconference today, he says, I've told our players, what are you attaching yourself to now? He says, what are you focusing on? What's your mindset on? He said, what are you putting at the frame of mind? What are you? What are you going to make the most important thing right now? And, you know, I mean, that's what Saban's harping on. So, I just think, you know, overall, let's come out – and I think we didn't say this in the podcast, but play a penalty-free ball game at all costs, please.
1: Yeah, like, dude, a big thing, too.
0: That is a big thing. Don't give them field position. Don't cost yourself field position – uh, we did a good job of that against Mississippi State, had three penalties. I mean, and they were very spaced apart. So, got back to what we do. Uh, stay in your zones, play your gaps, run your routes, block, play your assignments, keep your eyes downfield. But, you know, just all this – I mean, just go out there and have fun. This is a fun game to be a part of. I mean, SEC West at night, top ten matchup. It's a fun game. This is what you play college football for. So, I'm excited to see it. It should be another exciting saga in the whole Alabama-LSU saga. So I'm very excited about Saturday night. Should be a good one. Uh, we'll be tuning in. Uh, can say this, I'm thankful the game's not on CBS. Um, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. I'm so glad I don't have to hear Gary's voice for uh, three and a half hours um, and talk about how bad Alabama is So uh, and how good Tennessee is. So um, very glad I don't have to hear that. But yeah, uh, the final thoughts for me, just a big roll tide uh, as always. And we will be bringing you next week's episode uh, as well as we will be recapping the Alabama LSU game, looking forward to Alabama Ole Miss as well. Ole Miss, of course, off this Saturday uh, as well. But again, thank you guys so much for the following on the page, still 13,000 followers. Uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you more than uh, you know, appreciate the shares, the likes, the comments, um, you know, feel free to send a message to me or Cody on Instagram, uh, his handle, uh, uh, he will, uh, he can put out there. I can put out there, uh, as well. Uh, I tag him in a lot of our stuff, especially our podcast. Uh, so, you know, you can find his handle out there. If you want to ask him questions, feel free to ask him questions, feel free to ask, you know, any questions that you want, stuff that you want to talk about, uh, or that you want us to talk about as well. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much. Continue to listen to our podcast here. It is um, it is um, available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio as well. It will be out tomorrow morning. Um, hope you guys uh, continue to enjoy it each week. Again, we appreciate you guys, and uh, we will see you guys next week. And a big roll tide to that.